Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 166 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on April 26th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the lore book, The Warlock of Noor. But first, let's run, or let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 We also have with us our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? It's been... Okay, so life has been interesting, as it wants to be half the time. I have been to Kansas and back. Um, my wife has been... Yeah, like literally. And my wife has been to California and back, as well as Kansas and back. So, and then now my sister and mom are up here with us and they're happily sleeping in the other room. Thank God for having multiple bedrooms at this point. But it has been both a blessing and a challenge being just, life has been kind of a challenge lately. But I'm always happy to be here and chatting with you guys and thinking about things that do not relate to real life. So... Yeah, let's. Go that sounds that. like sounds like almost a guilty pleasure of yours, Green. I mean, we. I may be pitching my own episode <laughs> coming out this next Wednesday. Yes, I may be shamelessly p- pitching my own stuff, but you know, it's okay. We all have our guilty things that we're guilty of with our guilty pleasures, and it's fine. But yeah, it's like been okay. Going, so. I mean, you and your. N- Never mind. I'm just gonna stop. All right. Gonna sit down and stop. Sure. Mm-hmm. I was about to pitch Nifty Nut House again, but you know, <laughs> I got into a whole lot of trouble for doing that during the show. <laughs> it's it's infecting everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> rounding, rounding out the usual team, we have our good buddy the lore content cop himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing? Uh well, running Shattered Throne. You were earlier. <laughs> what? I'm not the only one. I've got you guys a. Are yeah, so crazy. I don't, I don't scream about it. All right. Hey, <laughs> to be fair, I did not scream that much about it while we that were on much. air. That much. Yeah, hey, I, I qualified it. Okay, I qualified it. I feel like Green and I are on this particular mindset on that one. Mm-hmm. All about chats giving me grief. Um, but, you know, we were kind of talking before the show started about 
what our thoughts. I mean, I'm gonna t- I wanted to kind of take a, a little bit of a break and uh, from lore and talk about actually what's going on in game because I think that's you know Green, you made a good point about that before we started. It's it's you know something that is relevant right now, um, and like the whole thing with the revelry. Like what what are you guys? What are your guys's opinions on that? I I'm personally I'm in, I'm I'm enjoying that. But Jesus, yeah, I it. think. I think from the PVE aspects, it's been great. The uh, PvP but, uh, aspects, yeah. of course, have not been so much. But at least the PVE aspects, I think it's been a fantastic little thing to mess around with. Uh, I'm loving was, the forest. It's so yeah, much fun. It it continues to make me think that we need to have it like all the time, more often mm-hmm, at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know which. Uh, it's so relaxing. That's yeah. yeah it, no, that's the thing is even without like I'll play sometimes. Obviously, right now, or right now I'm playing, uh, or I was playing uh, the Shattered Throne, and yep. now I'm, I'm probably going to go run through Forest while we while we chat tonight on this because it is. It's just it's just it's not super difficult, but it's also not super monotonous. Monotonous. Thank you. Gosh, I don't know where my head went with that word. Like you, you have to pay attention, but you don't have to pay like super attention. Like it, it's just it's, and it's also just got that really spring palette of color, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just and the I don't music's know. really nice. Yes, it's- yeah. Well, but I mean, but I, what I'm saying is like even without the music running, it's still just really. And and then they have like the little hidden chests that apparently no one goes and gets except for me i don't know why there's a few that get it it's cracked me up i saw someone on twitter and it's like am i the only one who's doing that i'm like nope nope i do plus eight seconds (laughs) so i've been spending most of my revelry in the crucible because of iron banner this week because i'm working i work i got it she's so she's been so happy she's been so happy it hasn't i will say this it hasn't been bad the things that drive me crazy right now in Revelry is that I am one of those dirty, dirty hunters that will wear Gemini Jesters, <laughs> go in with the class ability boost, yeah, and dodge anywhere around your team to take away your radar. I wouldn't even shoot at you half the time. Like it's not it's not about me killing you at that point. It is me <laughs> just taking away your radar and making sure my teammates can shoot you. Right. It's Running up against a whole team of Gemini Jesters is just painful. Not as painful as running up against gr- skip grenades and arc bolt grenades, because dear God, the arc web. That oh, yeah. buff, the buff to that is so stupid. It's just, it's you can kill an entire team with one grenade now if yep. people move around too much. And it's like, I don't know how to handle this right now. Like, I, I just can't, I can't adjust, but... The grenades spam in in game is crazy. I saw one of our own um, Shay. Shay did a forty kill game, burdened, I believe, with worm husk on because <laughs> that's not broken. It's just it's fun, but it is incredibly frustrating at the same time. What I do like about it is it is forcing you to change up your gameplay and. Any amount of tonic being used in PvP right now really, really changes how you have to play and what they're using. If you see Gemini Jesters on the other team, you have to be prepared at any point to see that coming up. You 
If you see worm husk or if you see skip grenades, you have to go long range. You have to switch up your game. Otherwise, you're going to have just a terrible time. So it's it's been kind of fun to learn how to adjust on the fly so much, but it's also been real annoying to deal with skip grenades all the time. See, and, and the funny thing is, is you're you're saying that, and all I can think of is you're talking like to me what i'm hearing is it's basically destiny's version of a light uh super fiesta it's it is and, it's, and i am really I'm good like, comparison. i am a huge fan which which explains when i do jump into like i i have played a little bit of crucible for the uh the triumphs on the revelry and i'll mm-hmm. be honest like i don't have a problem with it like i'm i've i've actually really been enjoying it i more more so than i normally do um, well, I think but that that actually that I get into mayhem as well. Just to point oh, that God, out. Mayhem. Oh God, yeah. I love mayhem. Yeah, yeah. Though it's oh my gosh. But yeah, no. As as you were saying that, I'm like I'm sitting here. I'm thinking. I'm like you know. I bet you that's probably the same people who cannot stand Super Fiesta in Halo. Which I am mean, an well, admired, right. like I'm an admitted person who really right. hates yeah. Super Fiesta. I, but like I mean, but th- I mean, but that that similar. Um, game style is just like that over the top just craziness just because with super fiesta for anyone who doesn't know what super fiesta is it's basically all the max legendary power weapons or actually just max uh legendary versions of weapons and you never know what you're going to spawn in with and so which if you don't play halo often and you decide to jump in for an evening with blue (laughs) and that's what you're playing And Ben and I, the ben and don't I will shoot just... the same. <laughs> they don't shoot the same. Like Destiny fusion rifles make sense to me. The railgun does not make a lick of sense to me. I'm sorry. No, I mean no. And as soon as you said that to me, I was like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. But like, but that's to me. That's what I. That's how I like de-stress myself. So that that actually you so you were saying that I was like. That makes a lot of sense. Why I don't I don't have a problem with I, I don't have the same complaints with the revelry that I've been seeing a lot of people have. Yeah, because I'm like I just I, I don't know like I just don't I I guess I don't pay attention to those aspects of it as much as other aspects of it. Well, you don't so. play PvP as much as I do too. That's also that's very true. That is very true. No, I'm gonna say it's a difference in how all of it is, which I think kind of comes other partial point of what was brought up this too with like it's to uh not forgotten in this how i with not owning the weapons i can't really comment too far on like how i think things will handle but i will say in a game that is based on having multiple weapons and multiple uh styles of play shoehorning yourself into one weapon one gun or a similar uh, is not very conducive to allowing for a lot of different play styles. Uh, there are certain maps that are a little bit more geared towards Luna's Hell and so on. Yes. Right. Uh, and the vice versa is also true in terms of other equipment that is out there as well. Uh, but largely, I find that those weapons are used in varying situations with good reason. Uh, they are expressly, expressly good in a lot of situations, even at range. Which, interestingly enough, like, looking at the notes about what they're changing, it's mostly going to, it's going to mostly affect the Magnificent Hal perk, isn't it? Isn't that what they're really working on? 
that's the whole impetus behind it is to cut down on its uh, general usage and what it's capable of doing. Which, uh, but it's not going to actually tone down on the weapon itself, which I think is great. I think that is an interesting move, and it'll be. I know that a lot of the PVPers are like, well, that's going to basically completely change the feel of the gun, which I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point, but... Kind of the uh, the whole idea behind it, yep. But I don't think it's going to be as significant as they're thinking. Now, granted, it's going to bring up a different meta. I don't think Luna's and uh, Not Forgotten are going to be as prominent in Crucible, which is interesting because I don't know if it's just my bracket that I'm in, but there's Mm -hmm. at least two of those weapons in any given crucible game for me. Now I see them constantly. So I don't know if that's saying that, Hey, you're good enough to get the weapon, which is yeah. Great. Thanks for the, the, the heads up guys. Or it's, it's more of, it's so popular right now that no one will take it off once they have it. Yeah. I I think that's going to be an interesting tell on that one as well, to be honest. So Lux from my clan, Lux Regalia, he's t- predicting, and I'm, I happen to believe him with what I've seen so far of these guns, that Ace of Spades is going to come back and be in the meta, as well as Service Revolver here in, on console. It may not I be the same on PC, but I can see really, that. really see those two guns taking charge now. But Crucible with Green, courtesy <laughs> of Hydra. But anyway... The the one the one complaint that I do have this is this is gonna be this is about on par with my normal complaints. I want to keep the ornaments. Oh, the the wings I and stuff really, like that. Really, I so I have the I have the little deer horns, and then I just got the wings. And I think I still I still need to pull the uh, I think it's the is there like elven ears? I think is the other one. How do you get those? Like I haven't even started you, trying to get those. So it's it's all through uh Eva's package that you like you get the the uh, uh, whatever the taunt not the it's taunt. Gotcha. Um hang on, I'm running up to her right it's, now. Uh it's the, like the dust and stuff. Yeah, so like you know how you power up the uh Reveler's Essence, that's what it is. The seven it's seventy five Reveler's Essence and you get a, a, a what's called the Reveler's Assortments package. And it basically gotcha. is just like a it's like it's it's basically an in-game loot box. I mean, I know people hate that word, but that's really what it is. Um but you're using the essence which you gain through running like you're just anything really, but you can gain a yeah. lot of it by going through. I don't think I've ever fallen below like 300 this entire event. Unless you, did you buy Arbalist? Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah, but I mean, yeah, Arbalist was, I think Arbalist was 300, but when I yep. went to buy it, I had 700. So again, <laughs> I mean, I, I never, I, I just, but I also run forest. I run the verdant forest like all the time because again like we were just kind of talking it's like it's just so much fun i just really i I can lose time just running that constantly Mm -hmm. um and if you do that and you open the chest that you like the hidden chest in there they'll give you like 15 10 or 15 a pop you know you just Mm -hmm. you can you can rank up plus daily uh, bounties basically if you start following the triumphs uh you'll start just collecting all of it and 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 what you do is it's 75 essence per box and you just you just buy them, and as she and there's just an RNG ticker basically, and I think there's three ornaments: there's the horns, the wings, and I want to say there's ears. I want to say there's an ears. Um, and so yeah, it, it's like I got the wings, and the cool thing is, is like it's the same thing as the exotic ghost projections. They change based off your subclass, yeah. which is really useful actually. 
because yeah. what I've noticed in strikes is we'll load in because I solo queue and like a lot of the weekly challenges is run a strike with uh, people the same subclass as your as in your fire team. Well, with these ornaments, mm-hmm. you can tell immediately what's what light or what subclass other people are running so you can change mm-hmm. up and you can get those challenges a lot quicker. It's just, it's right. another one of those like little things that just, it, it, it actually really helps for, uh, at least for solo queuing. It's just those little signs. Now they also are a giant target for those who run into the PVP with them as I've, as I found, cause I keep forgetting to take them off and they're right. ornaments on your helmet and they they're very, glow. they are gold. I mean, they, it's like glow. running in crucible with a century set or it's, an invader set or any of those. Yeah. It's, it's that off. Oh my gosh. Well, take and I'm, the I'm the person, I'm the person that just there. completely forgets about it. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm getting shot so many. Oh, cause I have giant orange wings on my head that would be why yep so yeah but i mean i i really really like like the aesthetics of what they've done with the tower i just really like it i'm actually kind of sad because the ornaments are going to be going away with the um uh with got the one more end, week yeah with the end of the event one more week i'm glad they made it three weeks though yes because if they wouldn't have i would have missed the entire thing because i was gone all last week so it's that like, and the other change that they made that i really appreciate is they lowered the requirement for the orbs in crucible uh for yeah. the triumph so you have uh, hang on let me load it up real quick on your events there is a one that's called Re- verdant light competitive and currently it says currently it's stated that you have to generate 200 orbs in crucible or gambit but mm-hmm. you can only you can only generate those when you're when you're affected by re, what's called revelic revelic light, which is when you take a tonic. Well, the tonic also, broke the competitive. It's only, it's only available in Crucible now because it was right. breaking gambit. It was breaking gambit, and so they they took it out. So they you can't like you can't do that in gambit, and so then what basically a lot of people kind of pointed out was like, well, that's a lot harder. Like it's a lot harder because you have to do a precision kill. It's mm-hmm. a lot harder to get a precision kill in Crucible than in Gambit when you're running against just NPC ads. And so they lowered that. So now instead of 200, they lowered it to 20. So if you have 20 already in Crucible, you're, you, you'll get it retroactively. So all you have to worry about is clearing the other triumphs to get the party harder, uh, the which will be the one with the, I believe it's the emblem. I can't remember which emblem it's called, but the uh the triumph for the emblem. And so that that, that was, I think that was really cool. I, I really like that one. Or I, I like that change. I, I think that was a really good change. Because the other change that... Um, what was the other change that we were talking about? Uh, you and I, Green. Um, um, oh, the Zur thing. Oh, the, yeah. The with the invitation. Yeah, with the tower. The invitation this week is there's a, there's a confusion... Or there was a overlapping code, basically, that they set it to allow for NPCs... They there was a basically a bug in which the NPCs weren't required to be on the destination that they were that they were basically taking place on. So they fixed that, but in doing so, it broke the way that one of the strikes, which is the I believe it's the it's the prison of elder strike. I can never remember the name of it, um, but oh, it the has one with the barracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has vex. Oh, the warden of the none. servitor. Warden, warden of none. Yeah. I think right. Is that warden of none? Yeah. Warden of none. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, but that's, that's where you were supposed to get the Vex kills for the Tangled Shore, because technically that's part of the Tangled Shore 
considered part of the technical chore. But when they bro- when they rewrote the code to only allow for NPCs on that destination, it cut all the strikes out. So right. all the strike, and so that's where that's where the the whole issue this week with the whole thing. And you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of throwing words around that. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like be careful if you don't really fully grasp what you're what you're complaining about. Um, it's not, you know, I I know it's a lot of people have been quick to say this, but it's not because Bungie didn't quality control things uh, at all. This is this is basic, you know, coding one hundred and one. You change one thing, and something completely unexpected breaks. That's just that that's just reality of every yep. every coding position I've ever worked with or ever interacted with. That's always happened, um, and they've been pretty transparent about what's going on. Now the problem is, is that until they fix it, um, we can't complete that invitation, and it's just like it's like ah, eh, well, it kind of sucks, but you know, right. So yeah, that's that was the thing that I think came out really today was because obviously Zer popped up. Um, Can we talk about another elephant in the room? Hmm. The ones that you guys posted in our private chat earlier. Oh, about yeah. If you really want me to get down oh. that tangent, because that's all. I mean, I don't. I'm, just, that I've got, I'm not. I'm, I'm not curious not. about the thoughts about it. Oh, okay. Because yeah, sure. it's 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 definitely worried some people. I've seen some worry worried people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those people who may not know, Jill, uh, and I can't remember his first Joe. name. Joe. Joe. Joe, which I think he did, he was on the raid team, wasn't he? He was the raid guy, basically. Yeah. yeah. I I don't think he showcased himself often. I think he was on a couple, I shouldn't say that, he was on a couple, like, ride-alongs and whatnot, mm-hmm. at least. Um, but he was very vocal, I know, on Twitter, occasionally. And uh, Jill and on a few yeah. things, and then and Jill, Jill one of the yeah. who's one of the writers for she did a lot for I believe the Iron Lords, and she's just been writing with them a lot, and she's the pun queen, which makes me so sad that she's she they they have both uh, had their last days at Bungie today, which is kind of bittersweet. I wish them the best for sure, but a lot of people are kind of freaking out about it right now. Because that's yeah, what the I'm, fifth or sixth I mean, person guess, in the last month well, that I've moved okay. on. But hang on. So here, here's the thing with the you got. I know a lot of people are jumping to conclusions on why they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, don't do that. Here's here's a little known secret, or, or I guess a, a little known fact. Little known fact, I, I guess, would be a better way of saying that because it's not really a secret, but it's kind of a fact. In business, what we what happens a lot of times with behind the scenes for especially benefits packages is that a lot of times there is a grace period after the beginning of each new year that you have to be employed by the by the company to still receive the full benefit package from the previous year. Um, so for for my company, for instance, we have to have um, if I if you know, let's just go out on a limb and say I was to leave my company, which I'm not. But let's say I was going to um, if I choose to leave in any time before the end of January 31st, I lose the entirety of my benefits uh, for my 401k for the previous year. I don't get the payout that's owed based 
based off the benefits packages that are there. That's a pretty common factor. And so what a lot of times you'll see is you'll see a lot of movement within businesses within the first quarter, maybe the end of the first quarter, which is, hey, that's where we are. We are at the end of the first month in the second quarter. And so for me, it's not really a surprise that you're going to see a lot of movement uh, around this time. We're seeing a lot of movement in our industry right now. Because that's exactly what's happening. A lot of people are hitting that mark where they are going to be able to take their full package, their full benefits package when they move. And, you know, I know everyone likes to point out, oh, these evil corporate overlords, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times it comes back to these these individuals are, you know, they might have found a better opportunity. They, they might be on a different career path, you know, what, whatever. There's there's not always a nefarious purpose behind movements. and. Right. And the thing is, is like a lot of times those decisions have been made, like those decisions might have been made six months ago, but because of certain, um, I I hesitate to call it politics, but certain uh, requirements from a monetary standpoint or a professional standpoint, they have to wait. And that's not uncommon at all. That's that's actually, you know, really, like I said, that's really pretty common. And you'll notice that a lot of times. I, I made a comment earlier this week because this is about the time that for those in professional services and for like behind the scenes support, DevOps and stuff like that, we start getting a lot of a lot of solicitation calls. Like I have in today alone, I have gotten about 15 or 20 headhunters calling my cell phone. And, and it's, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm just being kind of blunt. It's just part of the yearly tradition of the new year, the new, you know, new quarter, first quarter is over. So it's movement time. And that's, that's just the way it is. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of opportunities where it's like, it's just, it's just how the dice fall. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing nefarious about it. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, the other thing is at the we end of the day, the you situation. don't know, you don't know the full context of the decision making. It could be something nefarious. Something probably not. I'm, it's probably I'm not. Hoping for, the one thing I am hoping for, Jill was the one who said during one of the, uh, the video, the Vidoc things that, or it was a round table, the writer's round table that she had stories upon stories about some of the iron Lords that are just her own personal. And it's just like, I, I want, I, I know they're not Canon, but I, I want those. I want to know what Ephrodite did because if Ephrodite throws Saladin, obviously into a tank or anything like that, what else did she do? Like, I want to know about these characters and I'm a little sad that we may never, we may never ever see those now. And well, I'm sure the the wonderful thing about that is that if it was written and given to Bungie, they have those writings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll actually be great in that respect for us. Uh, Bungie can still go yeah. back and play with them. They can still look at them. Uh, we, so yeah. on. We don't know if she ever wrote those down. No, I gotta just... say that's part of the problem. Besides, yeah. And if not, then it comes down to the stories that may be better left never told because mm-hmm. that comes down to another portion of this that uh, we haven't really discussed yet creative direction if yeah. creative direction is not meshing or going along with each other then at that point it is especially in something that goes along with creativity uh probably better to cut ties in that respect uh Bungie's in the unique situation that they kind of get it you have to have a live team and a uh, launch team for their yep base title and their ex, uh, extended uh, titles 
and then also for newer content that's released over the course of time. Uh, one thing that I don't think is uh, necessarily uh, hidden in this respect is the fact that the live team and the uh, launch teams have never necessarily seen eye to eye. Uh, this is evident in terms of the uh, stuff that uh, several journalists have actually pulled up. Uh, but even then, if we take that stuff out of the boat, uh, or, or out of the mix, rather, uh, we have one very obvious trait and factor. Uh, look at Forsaken versus uh, how Destiny 2's main campaign released. There was an obvious difference in terms of how things were uh, were and are handled. So I I continue to look at that as a as a as a general piecing to say this is this is what caused us to be in different circumstances with the game or why certain uh, individuals are also under certain uh, different feelings over the course of time. So I'm I'm not bothered by it at all if it is just a creative direction thing and it's you know, not meant as any ill will towards any of them, then in some regards, we end up getting the direction and the whole uh, idea and piece of what uh, perhaps the, the minds over at Bungie that are uh, very passionate about the direction of the project are going to be unhindered and unfiltered at this point. Uh, yes, it sucks to end up losing certain members that have been around for a very long time. But right. I don't see it as a bad thing if it's going to be better uh, better for everybody involved. Oh, yeah. It's just interesting because so often when you see people leaving, you automatically assume that it was not their decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially with like corporations in America and whatnot. Absolutely. And it, it comes down to, well, why didn't you keep these people happy? Well, you end up having all the shakeups and changes that have happened with Bungie as a whole over the course of time. It's... It's not the same company. Uh, and further for that point as well, Destiny is not Halo. Uh, no. The amount of people that continue to want to take it in that direction, I think it's doing it a very uh, large disservice by continuing to treat it like Halo. So I I am not worried about this. If there are if there are people that feel that they they had a better indication for destiny and suddenly it wasn't going the way they expected it to and they had to double back on some things like i get it it sucks uh it, it always hurts especially in a creative mannerism when you end up having to go backwards in a lot of things but uh on on pieces of writing where it was evident and obvious if we're talking about like jill especially jill had uh I don't know necessarily what, uh, I, I mean more the writing team, not Jill. The writing team seemed to be going more this direction of uh, humor and definitely far from like how Destiny 1 even was writing right, itself. Right, not as dark. Yeah, and then as soon as we went back to Grimdark, everybody was like, oh my god, this is what we wanted, this is amazing! Uh, so the community has kind of talked and spoken about where they want to go. Uh, I think just overall, there's there is nothing bad about this in my mind, honestly. No. I think uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that, and I think you kind of said this too, Beard, but to reiterate, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's business. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not, I mean, and I know a lot of, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of in that weird position too, is that a lot of our time is spent in a passionate, uh, you know, in a passion sense with yeah. with destiny so it's for us it's very easy to oh this is this is what we love and this is what you should love and blah blah blah. and it's like and at the end of the day though you have to remember that the people who are who are you know whose jobs and i'm going to iterate that again whose jobs 
are the creation of this event, they yes, they are passionate about it. But at the end of the day, too, it is a job. And, yep. you know, a chat I, I chat right now is going, you know, talking about that. It's like, you know, they they have careers and part of the yep. career is, you know, finding finding that next big next big opportunity. Um, yep. And in just the same way that any of us would, you know, feel the same way. If an opportunity arises, you you seize it. You you know you don't yep. you don't just sit there and look at it and be like, well, I really like this. You know, I, yep. I just and that's that's ultimate. I think that's kind of what you're saying too. And that's ultimately why I'm not like I I I'm right there with you. It sucks. I'm yep. sad to see them leave, but I really can't wait to see what they have to do next. And I hope yep. that it's. I I really hope the best. I hope to that we will get to see what they do next because mm-hmm. if they're if their work with but with uh, destiny has been any indication, it's going to be amazing. And I think that's, I mean, that's honestly, that's my approach. I, I think that you can have both, both things. You can have people being happy with their career and then yep. Bungie's not going to, it's not going to sink. Like it, I don't, I don't get that whole, I, I don't understand that mentality. No, I don't get it either. I, I never really have. And I mean, it's the same inkling too. Like if Bungie was not making like the the collective community of Bungie was no longer making them happy, then it's just as healthy for them to move on. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred in both yeah. ways, right? Both ways. Mm-hmm. Because from Especially, an from an, a business point of view, you don't want an unhappy employee. No. Like as much as you don't want the employee unhappy, you also that's bad for that's bad for the the um business community that you have, you know, the family there. And so, yeah, exactly. Yes, yep. that's it's a very yep. much it's it's the mature decision to do is the thing too. Yeah, but yeah, well, and nobody seems to be very mean spirited about it so far. I mean, we don't know. Well, what's and that's and that's the other doors, obviously right. Well, yeah, and you're never. I mean, like like we were kind of saying earlier too. You're never going to f- know the full context. I mean, they're they're yeah, whatever. And I mean, and and to that point, it's not really do we don't really need to know the full context. It's not really our business. Nope. Um, but the other thing that, that actually that comment brings to mind is that they had made, um, one of the devs had made a comment because there was a lot of times that they were going around, people were bashing one dev over the other. And it's like, and it's like, you guys realize that we're all like best friends. Like we all are still really friendly with each other. Like, and that's the thing at the end of the day that you also have to keep in mind is that these, these guys, these guys and gals, these, these people, they're not. It's not like, oh, you work at Ubisoft. I can't talk to you. You know, that's a very that's a very high school mentality, clickish mentality. And that's just that's just not the way things are um, at all. Yeah. End of the day, video game industry in general all crunches together. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It really does. There's a reason why it's really hard to break into the industry. It's who you know half the time more so. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's not I mean, to be fair, that's also not just game that's any that's, industry that's any industry everything so but yeah so i mean yeah i know that i know that's not a lot of lore but to kind of get us back on the lore track green i know you had a contentious discussion today oh my god Ugh, yesterday yesterday uh question Is of the week better oh my gosh so talk about writing that makes people have intense conversations <laughs> I asked the question, now that we are ways into the season of the Drifter, what are your feelings on the Warlock Anor? And that There are two types of people. 
I had over 80 notifications. Not wow. a lot of more comments, but 80 notifications on this guy. And so it's like, holy crap, you guys. Um, Lots of people were very passionate about it, particularly two people who... Uh, one I know is a listener. One I know is just a lore enthusiast in general. And it was interesting to watch their conversation back and forth. But uh, Dan Ritchie said, "Well, okay, so we'll go into the we'll go into the statistics first, and then go into the the, the responses." But I gave the options of feelings on Nanor being boo, meh, but I respect her. She was right, or love her. So I gave you four options. Kind of a one through four, all the way from hate kind of sort of thing up to really, really like. And it was really stinking close. We was we were at 41% at meh, but I respect her. 40% boo, 12% she was right, and 7% love her. Which is interesting to see because there were people who, on even in the uh, comments, who had chosen to follow the vanguard that didn't like, once they read the story, didn't enjoy the aspect of Anorb. That being said, there are also people who are very passionate about being on Anor's side. And it's more, and there's one point in particular I want to bring up and ask you guys. But going to some responses, Dan Ritchie says, I would have voted meh, but honestly, I don't respect her. Her whole approach seems like several steps more severe than it needed to be at every opportunity. I'm also still not sure why she was even doing what she was. Sure, she doesn't trust the Vanguard with respects to the Drifter, but why not? What was she honestly hoping to achieve on a big picture level? Or is it as simple as previously stated? She just doesn't trust the Vanguard with the Drifter. So first part with that one, (laughs) we got some more. Well, go for it, Blue. I mean, she's doing what she's doing because I don't know, the Vanguard freaking told her to. So, sorry, but no, that's not at all the reason. In the narrative preview, it's said that Ikora asked her to do this. Like That also being said, in Stolen Intelligence, is Ikora was also saying that she w- did she, do some she things a did, little bit beyond, she, right. beyond no, she what did. Ikora she did. I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that she I'm didn't just, go above and yeah, beyond, but to say just... Both carte blanche that she was doing it because she disrespects the vanguard and that she the vanguard was not trustworthy i'm I'm sorry but that's completely and utterly wrong mm-hmm. like that's not at all the situation the situation is is that the praxic order is basically and beard i think you had mentioned this too the praxic order is basically the vanguard's like special forces as far as investigations go like they, they By the are. Way, they're all warlocks. I they are. Like say. Oh, I mean, right? No, they are. Unlike the hidden, which is a, a another secret community that the Vanguard oversees. I mean, right. the Vanguard. Here, here's the thing: is like I, I get the the want to polarize people and polarize situations, mm-hmm. um, but to simplify it that much is doing a large disservice to all sides. Um, and again, in the narrative previews that we had leading up, you see multiple instances in which Ikora and Anor are both discussing. And, and Anor, you know, to to uh, your point, Green, Anor doesn't really necessarily hold the same level of deference that one mm-hmm. might expect. But that also is called out as being part of the reason that Ikora kind of trusts her. Is because she's right. not she's not going to just be like yes, ma'am. 
she's going right. to actually dig into it and look at the situation, which if you read the full book of the warlock, Anor, is exactly what she does. As soon as new information is presented, she reacts to that information logically and accordingly to that to the nature of that information. But the thing is, is that from the very beginning, she was research. She was actually researching Cade's death. She wasn't looking into the Drifter. Um, and it was in the narrative preview that we get the Drifter kind of inserted himself into an investigation. Um, she already had. I mean, she did already have opinions about it. But I look at the tower. Who doesn't have opinions about things that are going on there? That's not anything right. unique to her. And Ikora. I believe it was the, I think it was the third one, which is the job, uh, basically makes the comment when the drifter sneaks in. So the drifter sneaks into the Praxic research facility to spy on them. And they basically are like, who does he think that he's fooling? They know what he's doing. Like they, mm -hmm. they're all keeping tabs on him. Now, the disagreement between Anor and the Vanguard is, is I mean, we're going to definitely get into that because right. that, that, that ties into more of like the Praxic mentality. And that's not unique necessarily to Anor, but it is part, there is, it's a very large part of her personality. And I, I, I completely, I, I completely agree that she went beyond what was maybe, what was maybe intended, but I can see logically why she did um what she did I do, and, um i do have another response that is going to argue the opposite point oh yeah no i know most people on okay. most people on twitter have have made it very clear that i'm in the minority for my views of her oh no 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 no! i meant like in general like instead of being against anor there's another one that i have that is more um i guess pragmatic when when it comes to her role Mm -hmm. And the the responses of the community to that role, which I think is another interesting topic we should just sort of dive into as well. And it's from Little She Bear. And it was her first major response that she posted, which was people see her as an arrogant and closed minded. But I don't see that at all. I see a hard nosed skeptic who won't just take the Vanguard's word about the drifter and gambit until she sees evidence for herself. Besides, someone who was closed minded wouldn't admit to being wrong. She's tough. She's not polite, but she hunts down dredgens as her day job. She has to be tough. There's nothing wrong with that. I find it kind of sad that a cool female space cop is looked down upon because what she doesn't, because what, she doesn't smile enough? And I constantly see her criticized for things that she never did. People took, uh, people took a stance against her right from the start because she accused the Guardian if, of being Cade's murderer. She did no such thing, but it was repeated so often people started to believe it. Your friend Anor shot up a city block. It doesn't mean she killed civilians, but I hear that repeated over and over as truth. If you read the lore from her point of view, Ikora uh, commends her for the fact that there were no casualties. I wonder if she'd be seen as more sympathetic if she were voiced and rendered like Drifter and Orin are. Yes. I get why she wasn't. Actors are expensive, but it means she gets the short end of the popularity stick. I think she's great. I find the hate kind of baffling. So, comments. Well, just to set interest... uh, the record straight on this one, quite frankly, if it was a male, I would have the same kind of uh, derivation towards them. So, I want to get that out there right now. Uh, and on the flip side, Beard, of... I would have the same amount yeah. of respect. Sorry, yeah, I couldn't. Right. I couldn't, right. couldn't reiterate. I couldn't resist. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's just a matter. Like it is. This is not a matter of like male female. Just to get that out of there, like right away. 
well, because for, I feel like that bit, was a portion of that reply. Uh, right, and I think and I think it's important that's, too is that it's not our portion. Right, no. I, I can't. We can't speak for the the internet as a whole because everyone knows sure. the internet has its own uh, not nice things to say. But I know, yes. I know what I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Beard's saying, and I think that's I think that's very important for for our conversation here tonight. We as a as a group, us, and as far as I can see, everyone inside the FFC community, that actually hasn't been brought like. That's not even been part of a t- the conversation. Like the biggest part of the the conversation of her gender was basically who is Anor? Oh, she's a human female warlock. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. Like so, yeah. Sorry, Beard. Go go for it. That's okay. Uh, my my major thing, if nothing else, is that as a warlock, uh, I found her general uh, perceptions to be very different. I guess than what I was uh, kind of anticipating of another warlock within the realm. Uh, or I guess I should say I'm used to seeing warlocks uh, written in a perspective and mannerism. Uh, and to see the way that she was written was kind of shocking, uh, which I think kind of threw me off to begin with with her, uh, which also made me kind of distrust her a small bit. Uh, granted, I had my major reasons for not trusting the Vanguard, which is what <laughs> more so Bungie was uh, effectively right. kind of uh, making this more to be that you're with the Vanguard or you're with uh, Drifter. Uh, I didn't really placate it or, or take it as being with Honor. I, I took it more as the uh, the larger field, the larger game of who are you with? Are you with mm-hmm. the the counter forces? Are, are you with the uh, counter terrorists or are you with the terrorists? And are terrorists going to win? <laughs> um, if we want to go CSGO CSGO terminology. <laughs> right. Uh, or, or you know, is it is it the idea of do you want a little bit more freedom than typical, or do you want to continue to operate within the uh, general order and spectrum of things? Uh, having, I think, continued to also have read a lot of the lore that we now have, I'm even more so okay with my decision. Uh, but if I were to have, if I continue with the ideas and spectrum of honor as a whole, I think I still would have respect for her uh as like somebody that sees the facts sees the evidence and changes with time Mm -hmm. uh which is i think very important to showcase for her uh general uh perceptions or general pieces as a character which is very important to bring up uh and i would say that of any character because we even see the same thing with uh another couple of warlocks we see the same thing with ikora and we see the same thing with osiris in a way mm-hmm. uh both of them kind of stand to uh to change their overall viewpoints very nicely very evenly right uh it, it may take convincing but that is the thing about any warlock mind in a lot of rights if you are stuck on seeing the world in a way then you see a hypothesis and you test it against that crucible of evidence here's a uh, question for you good job Tyra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, question about there was there was another response, D and D reference response, where he was basically saying that she, I can't remember if he said chaotic good. I think that is what he mentioned. Would you consider Anor chaotic good, or I would consider her lawful good in a lot of ways because I would she has her chaotic her... because she would have ran in there without even causing problems for uh, yeah, except block as a whole. She's got her own set of like ideals that she's following so stinking strongly. Which, granted, that is the praxic order in general. Right, they are and very adamant about. That's what why they I would, I in. would, I would almost fancy like 
I'd almost say I lawful would, neutral. Yeah, okay. I, I would. I, would I don't stick chaotic. I don't. I don't. Neutral, yeah. I don't. I don't think. I, I definitely don't think she's chaotic. But that's that's well, also given my understanding of my interpretation of that system. So right. Well, this is why I would say either uh, neutral good or chaotic or or lawful uh, mm-hmm. chaotic law. law good grief! If I could figure this out. <laughs> Um, chaotic yeah, lawful chaotic chaotic good uh or lawful neutral they they kind of to me have always kind of stended the uh kind of shown themselves in the same way mm-hmm. perspective yes they kind of do uh i i would say that the the line between them is very thin but what would make her i think more chaotic uh, uh chaotic good would stem from the fact that she is so interested in her her general doctrine and general beliefs that she carries them out to an absolute t uh no matter what those circumstances may be very lawful to me but see yeah and i i was no, i was but that, that's the that's the thing lawful versus chaotic comes down to how you take care of it are you going to rend a city block no. or are you going to run in and try the, to no take thing care is, of those she, situations she because, evacuated the city is, block too but like, where is the current state of the city as it is. Okay, but hang on. You are hang looking on. at. I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective that they are rebuilding, that they are trying to bring themselves back up from the ground, and by rending a city block like that, you're not really helping with the rebuilding. But you're associating. Well, maybe... So hang on, hang on, hang on. This is this is a common argument that I have with a lot of D and D players, and this is why I said what I said about my understanding of the alignment system. Because if you read the text of the definition of the lawful, it's not adherence to a city law code or a law code of anything. It's a, it's an adherence to a set of doctrine. That's why in D and D you often have monks be considered they have to be lawful, even if they are not following the state and the quoted you know legal system of a given country. They are following to the T the doctrine of their particular order, which. I mean, that's exactly what she's doing. She's following the doctrine of the praxic order to the T. Now, the praxic order, that that does not mean that she's always going to adhere to the good of the city. The tendency of the praxic order is protection of humanity against all forms of danger. It's which fight is, first, research later. Right. And that's that's where you have the concept of the pragmatic warlock, you know, the Cormont Blade, all those things. But I mean, that's why that's why I said I think she's lawful neutral because she, she's definitely I I definitely don't I mean okay let's be, get this out of the way she's not lawful or she's not evil anything um, no I mean no. I think I think all of us will agree a hundred percent on that one um, I think the 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 spectrum that we might we are obviously disagreeing on is the chaotic lawful spectrum because I think we're both kind of in agreement that she is kind of neutral I I, right. I really. I mean, like, because in... Well, that's why I would argue it, because she wants to push to get the job done. Right. Whatever the means may be. So, but but she also does adhere to the Praxic Doctrine. Like We don't know what the Praxic Doctrine is. We well, know the one part of the Creed from yeah, the Darkness that, card. Which, which I will give you that piece. But, like, we don't know necessarily what they end up falling into. Uh, that would be my, my ultimate... Uh, back catalog to that 
until I see like a full doctrine space given to me, mm-hmm. I can't say one way or another what their necessary tendons. Uh, well, that's are. fair. Yeah, I mean, Which, but I that's at, at fair. that at at that point, you know that that's arguing. You know more, more yeah. Well, and that's that we and that's really yeah. Don't that's have what, answers what for. that was last week too. Is like, can we get yeah, this really. in writing, please? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, God, man, that's yeah. That's exactly. I mean, and and I think, but I mean, as far as like her personality goes, she strikes me much more as like a it, as a monk type character. If yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna talk in terms of D and D, um, and the way that we that i've always interpreted that definitely and this is this is obviously my interpretation of the the alignment system mm-hmm. but like the way that it's always kind of struck me is that the lawful lawful doesn't mean to the legal system of x country it means to your own internal law you know basically yeah. unto yourself be true and yeah. and anor definitely in my in my opinion definitely showcases that um she she adheres to that very strongly i would argue i mean it's like there's this theme that's going on right now or something about this this line between right like yeah dark it's being kind of thin they might it's be like pushing that a bit. that whole idea yeah. yeah i don't i don't know it's it's like there's this theme that's being presented to us i i don't know guys i don't know so are those the big responses green yeah i mean i have two more but they're um uh, less contentious i guess than the other two um there were there were quite a few responses and all of them were really interesting and great to read but i wanted to grab these two in particular because i knew they would be good starters for a debate a good thread and that's what i'm loving about putting these these uh questions of the week is getting that conversation started because yes it is contentious people have their sides whether it's founded or not, a lot of people tend to be black and white. And I think that's really interesting. And what we're going to get into, I'm sure, in this episode is that Anur is not a black and white person as much as she comes across to be. Far from. And I would I would quite frankly say that anybody that thinks that she is black and white hasn't read anything about her. Exactly. Uh, which, granted, unfortunately, is about the only true measure that you get from uh her character description which i will agree with on that second quotation especially i think if she was given some measure in game uh or a voice actor etc to showcase how her character is it may be a little different for her but because we're getting this uh different perception if you will as Honor is the uh written in lore person and there's not much we can get from that uh, i do think that does a, a definite disservice to her character to the general player base i would say for the lore enthusiasts and theorists as ourselves no not so much i would also say if you think that she's entirely good i think that you are delusional personally because she's she's done some things she's 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 not your your just goody goody two shoes warlock here or goody goody two shores guardian at all I mean, we learned that in Stolen Intelligences, at least. I'm going to say with the fact that she actually leaked something, period. Yeah, just a little bit. Anyway, I think we should move on past the community question of the week. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so this week, uh, I, you know what? I think, I'm trying to think here. Lost Lore, I think we kind of actually touched on it a bit. Um, I was going to discuss the idea of uh, evolution of a character's views 
in mm-hmm. in regards to Anor and the Praxix and then also Drifter himself. And, you know, and I think I think we already did, actually. I think that was a large part of what, you know, I know I know Beard and I have had this conversation off and on. I know Green and I have had this conversation off and on. You know, I, I, I think we probably hit that hit that deceased horse pretty pretty frequently on that one. I mean, as a whole, I really think that's just season of the drifter at its heart. Like that's realistically, I think the the whole catalog and story that we're kind of talking about as we go along with the the thread of season of the of a drifter is just how that character manifests, changes, etc. Well, and I think the other thing that, and I and I yes, I, I do, and I think the other thing that we've seen with the the black armory. Now we have the season of the drifter. Next up is going to be the season of opulence, which I know Beard, you've you've made a comment about that about being. Oh yes, I'm you know, so callous. looking forward to that. Well, but I mean, like, but I mean, they've surprised us. I mean, they could they could make you be at least a little bit less hostile towards callous. I mean, it's it's possible. If they make it's me possible. like him, that would be amazing. You don't if want they, to. Do you like believe the in little... miracles, Beard? I'm sitting here thinking, you don't want to like the baby from Dinosaurs, that TV show back in the day? I'm the baby! Ma'am, there are several things I would call callous. That is not one of them. He looks like him. He does look like him. I'm the baby! Gotta love me! rhinos seem to fit that bill, yes. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll go along with that. Oh, man. Well, so, but... (laughs) But what I was going to kind of mention, too, is that I think what we're seeing again in Beard, you and I made this comment, I think, last week was, you know, Destiny 1 was all about building the universe with broad strokes. What I think we're seeing, especially kind of a doubling down of in Destiny 2 is is populating that world. We've had the world yeah. building game. We've had the world building series that was Destiny 1 and, and the majority of its DLCs, really. And now we're getting now we're getting into the nitty gritty of okay, this is the world, but what's actually, who's actually in the world? What's actually happening in this place? And Correct. I think this is where you're going to see a lot more of um, these types of entries where it's like, hey, this is the story of, you know, this random space cop and, you know, this, you know, space cowboy or, you know, whatever, whatever is going on. And that's, and that's really, honestly, trucker. that's what we have seen. Trucker. Space trucker, trucker, trucker. Does he drive a win? Never mind. Anyways, um, and so I, I just, I'm really excited to see where this is going because as we get more focused in on these particular characters, we start also getting a little bit more nuanced in the way things work. We start getting upsets and starting to get things that break the mold, and that's always, to me, that's always the fun part. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think again, I, I think with the community question piece, I think we did get into this pretty well. Um, so I'm completely comfortable if you guys are to jump right into just like a summary of the lore book and then dive, you know, directly into it, knowing we kind of are running a little behind on it. Sure. Does that sound good for you? Okay. Yeah. So real quick, just a real basic overview of who in the nine blankety blanks is Anor. Anor is basically, Anor is one of the hidden, which is a covert group of guardians who gather sensitive intelligence. Uh, this is from a message of solidarity and they go on and it says, you've heard the rumors that they've embedded on just about every active Vanguard front, including the tower. Um, what we also know from lore is that Anor is a human female warlock. Uh, her preferred subclass appears to be Stormcaller. It's definitely kind of an arc esque uh, subclass. And from 
her ghost, her ghost goes by the nickname, and I'm going to butcher this name, um, the nickname Bihari, which is short for Bahagari, and uh, portrays a female personality. Uh, she is one of the more noted members of the Praxic Order, and basically we see this in her appearance both before the consensus itself as a report, like she reports to the consensus of the Praxic's findings, and also the overtly casual tone that she takes with Ikora throughout her uh, interactions within the narrative previews. Um, also, as mentioned in kind of our chat earlier, is that Ikora actually does have a sense of protectiveness around uh, Anor. Because within the stolen intelligence, we find out that those records were actually um, dispersed by Anor against, or, well, I guess it was very Snowden-like of her to put those records out. I'll just put it that way. I think that's a fair parallel to draw. That's the best way, I think, to put it. Um, And when Zavala made a comment, Ikora actually kind of defended Anor in a way of saying that, you know, basically, well, what reason have we given them to trust us? So she actually kind of took Anora's side, um, which is, again, we kind of were talking about that earlier as well. But this this particular lore book is actually going to focus in on the events around the whole Allegiance quest and kind of the underlying tension, if you would, between the two sides that we chose there. Um, so we start off and basically every I think everyone got the first four or five letters and then, we got the messages from her. So, but did you get all the messages if you chose Drifter? Because uh, I don't think I, th- I know you didn't get the full lore book. Let me had... open up actually my lore so that I can tell you exactly. I'm gonna say I can tell you exactly what it was that I ended up getting. Let's see here. Uh, I have the first five, and that is it. That is also what I have. Yeah. Messages from Anor five is the last card that you get. Okay. Yep. Um, real quick. Which are mostly the cards that talk about convincing you not to right, trust Drifter. Yeah, they're kind of the intro. Yeah, unfortunately, the the ones that don't necessarily paint are in the best of light. Right. Right. Yeah, and and I I think that was actually I I obviously it's by design, but I think that was more also to kind of I don't know I I kind of feel like it was a it was a loaded loaded question type situation too. like i think most people kind of knew going into it what side they were going to go on to begin with yeah um yep. i mean like i know i did uh i know we, Beard, i did I, I know i know beer did and i'm pretty i was about to say i'm pretty sure i know green did um my whole clan basically did right I'm, for, I'm not... there's only one person in our clan that did not choose drifter oh who's my new best friend lux <laughs> <laughs> Lux also refuses to wear his dredgen title even though he has it. <laughs> Good man. Good man. <laughs> but no. Um Oh, that's funny. That's really that makes me that makes me happy. Um but no, so like, you know, who Anor is 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 a big a big part of this whole debate. And because it's not just, you know, and we mentioned this also earlier, it's not just who she is at the start, it's also who she becomes. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a really, really cool thing if you if you if you are like my two co-hosts here and chose the gambit or the uh, drifter side, I would really encourage you to go to Ishtar if you haven't already and read the full book because there's not just the messages. There's also uh, uh, surveillance feeds, 
of what she was seeing. Um, there is surveillance feeds of the whole district situation where the, she quote unquote gunned down an entire city block, which is just not true. Um, she destroyed a city block, but it was because her ghost was kidnapped and yep. she was getting him or getting her back. So there's, there's like, you know, even and I hesitate to even say that Drifter was fully lying because I don't know if Drifter even really knew the full context of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he had seen that a city block got right, pulverized. yeah, right, yeah, so and that he was made his, he made an assumption. He made the assumption, right? Absolutely. And the cool, the oh, other cool hey, thing, perspective. Yeah. Ah, what? Oh man, it was like I something mean, we spent a ton of time last week talking about. I mean, we're gonna have a ton of time about talking about it this week because of oh, Nora's yeah. perspective on the whole thing as right. well. Right. Yeah, really. And uh but the other cool thing that I like I wanted to bring out on on that particular entry is the new technology that we got introduced to. Did anyone yeah. else catch that? Cause cause I want those. Those things sound cool. Yeah. The little rubber band yeah. guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh hey, ghosts are causing problems, rubber band them. Like what? You can do that? It's 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 effectively <laughs> like the like the It's a um, restraining bolt on them. Like it's well, amazing. It's, it's like using uh twist ties for SWAT, basically. Oh yeah. gosh. I like restraining muzzling. bolt better, but yeah, it's it's Mu- ba- muzzling yeah. them. Well, I mean, yeah, because it basically um and we kinda we see kind of a maybe a nod of it to that in the um what is it, the man with no name? Uh, or yeah. a man with no name when Ephrodite makes the comment about the ghost, like you kind of get a sense that there was, she lets the ghost go, but there's also a sense of maybe something going on there. Um, but I don't know if I read that that way because I had just read the, the uh, rubber band guns in a Norse yeah, book. Really. So I'm like, maybe I, I could be biased in my reading of that. But um, yeah, so there's like apparently there's technology that the Praxics have that they that are that has been stolen by the two or the group of dredgens, um, but that actually incapacitates a ghost and denies its abilities uh, as far as resurrection and and bar- pretty much it sounds like almost everything, um, yeah, except it, for communication. It can still communicate, which was. Uh... A, well, well, we don't necessarily know about that one, actually. Well, no, because she she communicated with Bihari um, to find that out was which building. After she confirms that, oh, she, she was the thing, yeah, okay, that's right, that's right, okay, yeah, I, for, I forgot about the hacking, yeah, yeah, that that was that I think was like one of the cutest pieces about it. Oh was my the gosh, fact that she was like hacked, she had hacked her own rubber bands. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me, that's adorable. <laughs> But uh, I, I thought that was I thought that was a really cool kind of little development that I don't know I haven't I haven't seen a lot of people like mention it. Um, no, right. well, it's to show too that like we also have some technology in a way that um, allows us to uh, what is it that allows us to also cut light off from mm-hmm. ourselves in a way. Uh, it's it's not as malicious. It's temporary. It seems until the restraints are basically peeled off sure but well but it also showcase that we have the capability yeah it it basically also doubles downs on the fact of what happened with the vanilla campaign is not necessarily completely unheard of no which i i actually i actually liked as well because it was like oh okay so this is this is not some like what moment this is more of a ah 
we also don't necessarily know when those things were were put into place either. I've had that discussion with some people. If it was like something that we had uh, devised after the Red War was over. And that's true. Like reverse engineered it based off that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Something similar to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so basically that's I mean, that's really a nor in a nutshell is she's she's yep. a member of the hidden. She's a part of the practice order. She seems to be a pretty um, high position in not necessarily the I mean, I think she's kind of high in. she's not uh, up to the second and like she's, second in command. She's not Chalco, but she's I think no. she's up there. I get the feeling she's, she's up there. She's certainly trusted by Ikora. Right, yeah. And um, well, I, was I trust was trusted by Ikora. I think she still is. I think she still is. I think that's actually what makes her uh so awesome in a way is that she's playing both of these sides, inspected by both of these sides. She's almost like um what was it? Was it Ramos in uh in Al Sector? Who was mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. who? Corey? Yeah, who was who was like playing back and forth between Al Sector and then reporting back to Ikora. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. well, that yeah, that he was, was uh, pretty cool because he was the liaison too. I think he also yeah. was. He was also never mind. He was also doing other things with Ikora. Um, right. <laughs> Implied. Oh, I know. My gosh, I love T for Teen. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, Anor is basically the entire the entirety of this book is her her making the case for you to ally yourself with the uh, Vanguard. Once you choose that, which I think like you guys said, you basically get the first five messages. Everyone gets the first five messages. At that point, that's when the choice is made between the Vanguard and the Drifter. If you choose the Drifter, you get basically the same quest but you don't get the remaining entries of this lore book if you choose the vanguard you you get there's like there's still repercussion choice uh, effects basically if you chose the the drifter i think the drifter gives you a package every week out of appreciation yeah. uh if you choose the vanguard you get it from ikora you get a package from Drifter every week that contains um some of the don't read they... too much into that kids what do they contain? They contain the charms, essentially. <laughs> the coins. What are they called? Pulling the, them up. The tokens? Yeah, you get the, yeah, yeah, you get the scents. That's what they're called. Yeah, the sentry scent and oh, the okay. reaper scents. I got so you. So you also gotcha. you get I think something else with it besides you get all four scents and something else. because uh, I know with Ikora you get uh you get the whatever the cores are. And then Vanguard masterwork token. cores. Ma- no, well, are they masterwork cores? Enhancement cores. Enhancement now. cores. Yeah, whatever yeah. the little glowy crystals that everyone was losing their minds over. Um, we'll we'll call them still the pain in the neck that uh, <laughs> doesn't deserve enhancement to be cores. Around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You get yeah. you get like yeah, okay. you get a handful of those, and then Vanguard tokens, and then usually a piece of armor. Um, and so, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but that's after you've made the choice. So, so you make the choice and like I said, basically the quest is really the same. Like the steps are the same, the flavor text and the dialogue that you get are obviously very different because yeah. in the quest, when you choose the drifter, obviously the drifter is narrating when you choose the Vanguard, I'm trying to remember. I know that the quest that you you hunt down the tapes and stuff. You get all of the um, dialogue from 
drifter because he's recorded himself. Right. Um, I want to say there was one or two lines from Anor, but most of it was just unlocking more of the lore entries. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't a lot on in regards to dial. There was a lot of like running back and forth um, because you are the one you're the guard. You are the one who bugs the annex to to basically recover the transcripts that you that you later will get sent copies of. Um, you're the one who has to find the hidden agent inside the tower uh, and send a message via a console within the hangar. It's like it's really actually I, I liked how they used different areas of the tower to kind of further the story. Uh, because it really kind of did actually give a sense of like, oh no, these are actually things that are going on like behind the scenes within the hidden or within the Vanguard. It kind of played up on that. It played up on the fact that there are, there are humans involved in this. There are people that you don't see necessarily at all times that are doing things behind the scenes. I thought that was really Mm -hmm. cool. I thought that kind of gave you more, more of a, a, a three-dimensional feel i guess to the tower it wasn't as two-dimensional and it actually gave me an excuse to go back to the hangar you know which yeah who does that besides zur besides zur yeah being there yeah i know in chat yeah i planted the same bug in the <laughs> just planted planted the bug in the same place three times I totally was there a bug with that? <laughs> no, no. Like literally, there's there's like there's two points oh, inside the annex to... that you could point the or you could dump the bug, and there was like you could just sit in the same place and go pop pop pop, and that was it. Like you didn't have to like move between the two spaces. It was I, I thought that was hilarious as well. Um, but yeah, so basically, when we when I made the comment about Anor being kind of the the special forces investigator. To both the hidden and to the praxic, which really is, she kind of seems to be a dual role in there. Um, we see that really in a couple of the entries that you get if you choose the Vanguard, and that those are the ones that are really kind of, in my mind, telling of her personality more so than the messages, which is what Beard I think was kind of saying earlier. And those are District One Twenty Five and the Salt Mines. District 125, I think, is extremely telling of her character, as are the narrative previews <clears throat> that also are a big a big component in kind of my, probably my aggressive response about the claim that she's working against the Vanguard, or uh, against the wishes of the Vanguard. Um, because the narrative previews kind of point that completely to a different degree. Um, District 125, however, is the detailed account of what exactly was going on with the whole city block situation. Um, and this is where you kind of get the sense that Anora is kind of a bad, like, I mean, she, she also really likes her ghost, which I think chat, I think Dino was making a comment about that earlier is like, you know, Drifter's the one that's making a comment about her shooting up a city block to get to do all this stuff. But we also find out how Drifter feels about his ghost. And that mm-hmm. kind of also paints his response to what she's doing here because she's doing what she's doing in District 125 to get her ghost back. Her ghost yeah. had been stolen. Her ghost had been uh, restrained, restrained and against her will. And so she was trying to rescue her ghost, whereas the Drifter who can't even, who doesn't trust his ghost and, you know, has cannibalized his ghost, it, it, you know, there, there's no trust there. Whereas there's there's a completely different relationship between Anora and Bigari than between Drifter and Ghost. 
So there's also that bias perception as well that you have to take into account when you when you start hearing the relaying of the situation from both sides. Um, so I don't know. I, this is a pretty long one, and um, I don't I don't really necessarily want to read the whole thing. The highlights, really, like we had kind of mentioned, is the the introduction to the concept of the praxic tech of the restraints. Um, then the fact that she um she 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 commandeers a train a maglev train and basically makes sure she makes sure that all the civilians are gone like she she gets all of them out of that area she gets them all off the train and I, i'll read this little thing and she said she had she had never driven a maglev maglev train before she liked the feel of power in the front car watching the world hurtle past the train was empty she had ordered all the passengers and the conductor off before she'd requisitioned it. You could convince people to do almost anything with a cormorant seal. The turn came rushing up, and she keyed a control on her wrist. A series of proximity mines on the rail and the barrier that supported it exploded, and the train hurtled toward through the smoke and fire down onto a rust-red warehouse building far below. Um, and you actually get to see uh, a little bit of what it's like for a guardian after they've died before they get resurrected by a ghost. Uh, it mentions that she can see everything that Bahagari can see even in death. Um, but I don't know if she's talking about like, I think she's talking about after she's died. Is that, is that how you guys read that as well? That's how I had read it. Yeah. Okay. That she, she knew about it when she, uh, when she was basically Razel Gould into the, into the thing. <laughs> Sorry, that's inaccurate. <laughs> I don't have to save you. I don't need you. Go away. Yeah, basically. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, so yeah, so I mean, but basically, what what this also displays is that Anor is not just an investigator. She is actually no. someone who is, and and that was the other thing is like while you guys were talking about, um, you wish that she had been voiced and all that stuff. All I can think of is that on uh, part of the armor, you get the sense that Anor is actually got a kind of a weird sense of humor. Um, yep. she hates paperwork. Yep, like hates pa- Like I don't think the word is strong enough. She hates paperwork. It's amazing how much she dis she dislikes just doing paperwork and it's because it gets her out of the field she's not allowed to do field work until she does her paperwork and it's like it's like listening to a kid who wants to go outside and play but you make them have to do their homework first she oh my gosh it's the funniest thing and that's where um i know chad had mentioned the uh the comment about in district 125 uh it's mentioned that she's very uh solar aligned uh in the in the entries that she is talking to Bigari kind of privately, and she's mentioning all the paperwork that she has to do, she actually short circuits a, a lot of the electronics in her apartment. And that's where I was kind of picking up on that she likes the art class is because well, she... Also the notion of ozone and everything. Yeah, and she yeah. She started to focus. Yeah. So yeah there's a, there's yeah, actually there's... a couple more indicators of her being a storm caller, which for the instance of balance... And I was about to say, going, like, going back to that settled. balance thing. Yep, not gonna say she she actually walks that line a little bit, which I I appreciate quite a bit for her I, but I uh, just, overall character. I really really like the like the just absolute 
not just doubling, tripling, but like almost quadrupling down that they have on her hatred of bookwork. Like, it's oh God. just... It's I was going to say, counter to another <laughs> warlock of any kind, which is just hysterical. Well, but I think that's also the um, Praxix, yeah, right? I, I get, that. I get that. Right? That's the Praxix. Is that you know they? That's the whole again, the whole thing about why are they going to philosophically argue when they can just palm it? Um, right. But <clears throat> as far as the salt mines, what this actually shows is an interaction between Anor and uh, Shin, and <laughs> she actually talks Shin down from shooting to new dredgens. And after our, and see, this is where Beard, you and I had kind of mentioned this also. Um, I'm not sure what's going on because the introduction to here mentions an ashen silhouette smoldered on the cliffside. Which is the one you visit when you pick up the thorn pieces. Right. Well, this was, this is a conversation Beard and I were having last week with the whole thing about Callum is like, is is what we see in that strike is that where the actual thing was going on or was that just a manifestation of our unconscious because it is technically within the ascendant realm right interesting so do you think that's where callum actually got shot was on i don't i I mean like i'll be 100 honest i don't know i mean there's physical manifestations within both sides there's right but that's a really interesting thought game to play that I think is a little dangerous, personally. Well, it still comes into this whole uh, wonderful idologue that we have that's going on right now of time and when Callum was <laughs> shot and killed, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is ordinarily vague. And <laughs> when did he come again, back in the system? Exactly. Well, this assumes that he well, he wouldn't have been on Drifter's ship at the very least. But it does at least, like, call back to this idea of, like, when, yeah, like, either way, when did he come back in after being exiled or pushed away by the the shadows, which we false anyway. Um, Yeah, this is just a a tangent and a half. Um, Yeah. But it is, it it is just a further point just to show, like, this, this discrepancy of time. Uh, Honor herself might have been a Praxic warlock for a very, very long time previous to as well. Uh, we, we don't even know how long in that respect to especially garner her hatred the way that she does of Dredgens, almost to the point of uh, what Shin Malfur has been as well. Uh, so all of these general pieces seem to clamor at something different. So I don't know. Yeah, because I, I mean, the other thing is this... Green, you said this is where we find Thorn. Yeah, it's in the campfire off. Oh, in a cliff above the. Se- next, okay, yeah, fair, fair. By enough, the salt mines. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, Cause, I gotcha. Because that's where we find the the remains of what was a Thorn, essentially, and you take it back to Banshee, I think, afterwards, and Banshee right. gets all yeah. reclumped about it. Oh God, poor Banshee. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is also where you get the name of the restraint tech. I completely forgot about this. Uh, they are called quit claim shotguns. I don't know. Is that the? I I took that as being the name of the shotgun that fired the rubber band thing. How terrifying is that to know that they I have guns like that? Want? Oh, well, hang on. Maybe they're not. No, quit claim shot. Quit claim shotgun is a shotgun from the Curse of Osiris. Okay, so that maybe that's maybe that's a different thing. 
I want a rubber band gun. I think that look, I think that sounds amazing. And now all I can think of is fallout. Nope. Could you imagine like doing a strike with somebody and they make <laughs> you mad and you just pull that out and capture the ghost so they can't finish the strike? I may have been running a strike before the show with somebody who was trying Green to Green would have fight. totally rubber raging. banded. I would have. I would have rubber banded both of them and just finished the strike by myself. I wear my dredgen title proudly. Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, the quick claim is uh, again uh, it's an, a, a sh- another shotgun from within uh, Curse of the Osiris. I think Dino. It's a new monarchy from the faction rally. Um, so yeah, so basically you see uh, Anor leading a group of various guardians. It sounds like one of them is a Night Stalker because there's a mention of a Void Arrow. Um, <clears throat> and then they capture, they basically, they capture the, the guardian or they capture the ghost and she basically, she faces down Shin, which, okay, there's a couple things here that need to be called out with this whole, this whole situation. First off, she's facing down Shin. She knows who Shin is and she's still, she's not backing down. Also, Shin has a golden gun, the entire conversation, and then yeah. walks into the forest with the golden gun still blazing. Like... I'm still a little perplexed by this gun that this guy has. And it's called the ever burning gun. Like he they they call it out as it, it's like definitely still burning. And at the end he he What's walks that off about infernal flames. Oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about how yeah, with no. uh, Rezel having Thorn, how Thorn acted with him. Why would it be any different for the golden gun to act with Shen? Well, we start to talk about that in terms of, like, uh, powers in general. I know this is, again, tangential from Honor, but to showcase the, the power that she's going up against, at least, to say how little she actually gave a darn mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Uh, but knowing that, like, he has these kinds of powers to utilize and uh, to, to wield... And to know that that power in general is just so far and above what we know of other uh, golden gunners in a lot of essences and rights, like that should show how deep and powerful his uh, his link to it all goes. The same could ultimately be said of uh, of Rezel and and Desir- and uh, Yor. Mm-hmm. You know that he he was just incredibly good at uh, at what he did. Whether that would be for for good or ill, which you know that's still possibly debatable per this point. If you listen to Shin, um, <laughs> I I just he's... love the 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 little bit of a spat between them. Yeah, because oh my gosh, Shin does not. I mean, neither of them really bandy words, but no. Shin. I mean, Shin's like. I mean, he says my struggle is older than yours, Warlock Anor, and it will be here when your praxic laws are forgotten and the last city is dust. And then Burn. she, I mean, and she turned, I mean, she, but in, in Anora's defense, she turns around and she says, you and Shax and the Vanguard and all the dealmakers are going to get the city killed. And she's actually defending the Dredgens. So I want to also call that out here. Yep. Is she, and now she, she has a classification for them. She said, you know, so the entire conversation starts with Shin kind of rounding on her and being like, you're interrupting important work. And her response is, stole the words right out of my mouth. And um, 
And that's where this whole argument about I just love the the argument because it goes down to jurisdiction. Like I like this is the federal government versus state government as portrayed in every freaking SVU law and order show ever. Um, and Anor basically says, no, these are third degree offenders. They're consorting with the darkness on a material level only, collecting and concealing illegal artifacts. We'll rehabilitate and reeducate them if we need to. And then Shin kind of goes back to the whole black and white, you know, power corrupts, blah, 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 which I think is he's playing the part as we all have come to find out. But it's also really kind of interesting hearing him say that, knowing what we know about Shin. Um, But then she kind of she takes it in a different and a little bit of an interesting turn. She makes the point that you're costing us ghosts. These guardians represent more than potential dredgens. And I, I think that also kind of points out the fact that of the multifaceted levels of which Anor is operating on. Yeah. Because this entire entry and this entire like side quest that everyone has been, you know, has been participating in for the most part has always been assumed that it's Vanguard versus Drifter. And everyone yeah. forgets that there's a lot more facets in play here. And this is this is one of them. Shin is a, another contender for you know the the uh, support of the guardian if you will and anor here is actually in a way kind of siding with the drifter and the well not the drifter but the dredgens and protecting them from from shin the same dredgens that she is also going like she's going to arrest them she's going to detain them and rehabilitate them if they need to but i think it needs to be called out here and made sure that everyone realizes that she is defending them from being killed so she's not just this mindless, you know, whatever you, whatever people have been saying about her, about, you know, she just, you know, likes, she's this bullet trigger hungry, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, she has, and this kind of goes back to my, you know, our conversation about her alignment. She has a code, you know, she, she does have a code and her code is, you know, I thought, I think, uh, I think it was black flag, um, who made the comment about the Praxix as being like the Judge Dreads or the judges from the the Judge Dread series? That's really, I mean, it's, they kind of it it yeah. kind of fits, like it kind of does yeah. fit. Um, but at the same time, you know, they they too had a had a strict code. Now, you know, you can debate the morality of that code all you want. But for the most part, they, say, again, they... <laughs> who, who got things done however right, they wanted right. to. No, with a lot of I mean, rights. I mean, but. <laughs> You're just going to argue on that fair. back and forth. Oh the yeah, no. Time. I, uh, well, we I mean, are. Hey, and we... You want to bring up Judge Dredd hey. and the judges? Yes, you better believe I'm going to bring that point up again. Uh-huh. Listen, listen. Dredd got Dredd got stuff done, and he <laughs> he. I'm not saying Anor did, didn't get stuff done. He either, definitely right? didn't. He didn't back down from confronting other judges who were stepping out of line. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, I mean but shit again, doesn't either about other shit, yeah, that's that step out of line. Very either. true, <laughs> very true. And I also, I mean, to to kind of further that, also, I don't think Anora would balk at doing that to other praxics that stepped out of line. No, I don't think so. And whatsoever. I, think, and I, I think, think that's that's actually where they kind of like walk that same. Line. I that's exactly what I was just about to say. I, I think that's the like, interesting we, confluence between all of them is they are all doing our, it for the greater good in in their own perceptions. Initial, Right. Well, and, and I think that's an important part about perception because we talked about how it was, you know, Drifter versus Vanguard in a lot of rights. 
I was taking it more as Dredgens versus Vanguard. That's, for me, how mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking about it initially. So for how we ended up getting it panned out or how things end ended up going uh, was, of course, different from, from that perceived knowledge. But it's the basis and how those characters and sides were operating in a lot of rights that uh, that made me think a little bit closer to like Dredgen verse uh, Dredgen's verse Vanguard. Yeah, and I which can we see now that as know well. is not even close to the uh, <laughs> to the to the right example or idea that we're after here. Well, it doesn't help that Drifter was kind of like sully in the water with you get a right. title and you get a title and you get a title. Yeah. God, now I have Drifter as op Oprah in my head. Oprah? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Like a really... <laughs> and oh. you get a title, and you get a title, and you... And ding, 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 ding. Um. <laughs> now I have Oprah with a goatee-beard <laughs> combo on my head. That You're is really awkward. Welcome. Really no. awkward. The other, the other fun trap. thing... <laughs> and open um the other thing that i want to call out too is again with uh, shin's golden gun he actually changes it from hand to hand like yep <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i keep coming back to that but it really yep. bugs me that he has a golden gun that lasts this long like it's it's almost like they were physical manifestations rather than they were much else well and at the at, given from when he was I mean, that actually does make sense, Like, but it also would argue, does that mean that the light that we have now is diluted a bit? I would argue to say that it's a completely different golden gun in that regard. You know, if you, if you start talking like the powers and whatnot that Shin himself was using within that card, I would almost say that it's a completely different golden gun in that respect. I'd, I would argue to say that that is pure... Uh, the pure light or the pure uh, form of the weapon where we are just using a mimicry of that weapon. Well, I mean, you have to also remember how the it's described that the weapon is summoned initially for him. Yep. Right. It's, it's unadulterated it's emotion. Fury. Yeah, it's just that rage it's, and that passion. Yep. And what's the entire thing that they highlight throughout all of those cards? Mm -hmm. It absolutely fits the same bill. So I even, I'm in complete agreement with that. Sorry, guys, because we keep going back and forth on Shin here instead of on. I mean, but like, he's I mean, kind of an important character. He's kind of important, an important role at this point within all of this. Like, he's the. Is it that he is the Dredgens truly? Is Drifter the Dredgens truly? You know, where all of these standpoints kind of are are interlocked in how they're they're perceived and how they they handle. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's why it's so important to kind of keep coming back to him. <laughs> I'm sorry, chat. Chat's He doesn't me. know anger management. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> shit, shit is just <laughs> really angry. That's his secret. He's a Hulk. <laughs> He's and then the Hulk. Black Flag, he digivolved his golden gun. <laughs> digivolved? I haven't heard about that in forever. Wow. Y'all are killing me with these references. Yeah, I say something about Batman and suddenly y'all are off on Digimon territory. What is wrong with you all? Judge Dredd and also absolutely all nothing. Just, yeah. to, just to keep it. Oh my gosh, oh my that's amazing. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I mean, again, uh, to kind of go into the narrative previews, 
uh, really the the one that explains where the kind of relationship between Ikora and Anor come in is the final one, which is the job. Uh, and this is taking place in Lab 3, <laughs> where where Anor is like... Or actually, Ikora is like, if that idiot doesn't think we don't recognize him, because this was after Drifter had stolen I the Obsidian that. Mind, and he put the... <laughs> Which makes me think, like, did he get it on backwards? Like, do you think he actually got it on correctly? I just, I, I mean, I, like, oh my gosh, I totally could see him doing something wonky. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just pointing something out here, but he put him putting on an obsidian mind. One, where's mine? <laughs> Two, uh, Shin made that little joke about him not being a warlock, and I'm just sitting here going, oh, really? He's not a warlock, you say? I know he's not a warlock archetype, but it would be funny if he actually, if he were to like fully utilize the light and whatnot, if that's the, the little hint that they're trying to pass off. I think that would be uh, kind of like a, a, a backhand in a way to Shin, like, nah, I'm I'm a warlock. I, I don't like to say that I am, though, because I don't like this whole light thing, but, uh, you know... My goodness, no, chat is me. going. No, sorry, just chat's going crazy about this Pokemon thing now. Oh. It's like, oh my god, gotta catch them all, shadows. Oh, uh, so, but gotta this is also, I think, all, Shadowmon. I think this is also where a lot of people's um, annoyance at Anor and kind of mis misunderstanding of Anor kind of stems from because this is yeah. the the job is where she also kind of points out that she's investigating us as potential murderers of Cade um which i mean given the way she presents it it kind of, i mean it makes sense she's just making sure that this is what's happening because again with the praxics their entire their their entire focus is the protection of humanity and the last city, right? It's it's yep. it's protecting them from threats both domestic and foreign. Really, I mean, if you pardon my stealing of that, and and so she she points out, and and Ikora is like, oh my god, how many times have you done this? How many times or how many times have you checked this data? Seventeen in my off hours. I needed to know if I could trust the guardian that let Kade die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm like, okay. I mean, that it's kind of hard not to read as a as a direct confrontation. And Ikora kind of yeah. points out that you know Zavala and her are just as culpable. And Anora makes the point that she's like, no, we lost Kate on a random Tuesday, and you all just took that guardian's word for it. One who's had less than a decade of service. You think to you didn't think to ask whether it was a lie. You didn't think it was important to pour over this footage, double check every possible anger angle. Um, and this kind of, I mean, this is where Ikora, you know, it kind of hits a nerve with Ikora, and you kind of see, you know, basically Ikora loses it a little bit. Um, yeah. But then you also get the information that Ikora and the Vanguard gave Anor Sundance's shell. They gave it to her with the intent of her doing exactly what she's doing right now. Yeah. And, and so then she's like, and what have you found? And and basically Anor says, nothing. It's it's basically as the hero surmised. Sundance was murdered by the barons and Tinkle Chore. They uh, basically introduced the concept of this single thorn-like bullet, uh, which... Don't get me started. I I have so many questions about that, but you know, I have 
I have a thought of to why that is important, but I don't know if it's accurate. Um, and Beard, I'll run that by you in just a second. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, she makes the point, you know, had they missed the last few months, we would have played out differently. So we have a timing, you know, again, a confirmation of some time has passed. Um, but then Anor kind of admits, I admit that I see no reason not to believe the official report. And Ikora is like the most reliable guardian I know. Um, and then, then they consider, then it goes on and Ikora says, we need you to leave the drifter alone. And Anora responds with, you know, I have the Vanguard's best interest in mind. And now that I know our hero can be trusted, maybe I found the help I need. And she, and Ikora says to do what? And her response is to save you from yourself. It remains my honor to be your hidden, but there are lines I will never cross. Not for you, not for the order. Do you trust me to do my job? Again, Beard, this is kind of where I'm reading the the law, lawful, yeah. neutral piece. Um, and, and again, and again, Ikora's response here is always, I, or the Vanguard, ask that you do the same. And she responds with always. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a, and this is before stolen intelligence happens. Uh, but so that, that, that conversation there is what I think we, that a lot of people are kind of missing the implications of, because what she's saying, what Honora is saying is that her job is to be the one who asks the uncomfortable questions to make sure that what they assume is happening is actually what's happening. And the Vanguard trusts the Praxix to do that. They trust the Nor to be the investigator that is going to be the one that puts them in uncomfortable situations. That's her job, basically. She is the, I think someone mentioned it in our chat just a second ago, she is the internal affairs, basically, of the Vanguard. And the thing about internal affairs is nobody likes internal affairs. Everyone seems no. to hate them. Um, yeah. But that all being said, they are arguably one of, if not the most important functions in any legal system because they are the, the ones. Accountability. They are the ones that watch the watchers. And I know that's, for, you know, there you go, Beard. There's a Watchmen reference for you. I was going to say, who watches the Watchmen? Who watches the Watchmen? It's it's IA is what that 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 is their entire function is to make sure that the people who are administering justice and administering what is right and, and good are doing just that. And and I think that's where she really does. And this kind of branches into the later entries that we see from her from her side where she she, you know, she gets this uh, she gets this transcript of Drifter talking about things that are kind of identified as explosives being planted around the city. That's kind of a concern. And she reacts accordingly. And then, you know, once they find out that that was just a figure of speech, they back off. Like there's a lot of development as far as their characters go on both sides that I think, again, to just to just grossly simplify as oh she's a hard-headed law or she's a hard-headed police officer and he's the you know no good for nothing rogue that everyone loves or you know whatever i think that does a disservice actually to both sides significantly i agree it's interesting to see the dynamics though it's so easy to get caught up with them and i think the the point that was made earlier in the fact that we don't have the personal relationship with Anora, we only see these these entries that we seem to have with Drifter that makes it a little e even more difficult to like her character in some respects. Yeah. Well, and I think, and that's kind of what chat's going on too, right? Is like, I think 
a lot of people okay so a lot of people have emotional connections to their guardians understandably that's our you know that's our gateway into this world um and so when the drifter has an approach of acceptance of our guardian without question a lot of people kind of gravitate towards that that's that's something that makes sense to them because they would never they would surely never let kate die whereas this character who you know as you guys have mentioned doesn't have a voice line doesn't have that human that more human connection there's just words on the screen um this entire character's purpose initializes from a questioning of our motives and it's important to remember that that information is not widespread like not everyone knows about the the intricacies of our relationships with the vanguard not everyone is familiar with the the exact details of our history as far as guardians they might know the legends uh it's implied that there are legends told of our guardian to the city and to the civilians and other guardians but you know it you have to remember that in the span of what we're looking at and as we kind of learn more and more the scope of time is keeps increasing we really are our guardian really is just a small blip on this whole radar and so when you're talking about Cade who is arguably one of the oldest guardians um his death being relayed to everyone by a guardian who at best is maybe five or six years resurrected it makes sense why Anor has these suspicions. And, to Anor's credit, as soon as she goes through the record meticulously, she backs off. She's like, no, th- this is correct. This is the situation as was reported, and I see no reason not to contest it. Or I see no reason to contest it. She's she's a really good cop. Yeah, I think, and I, but I think the, the thing that set a lot of people already at a, at a disservice to at her is, is, this, is this particular entry. Because yeah. it's hard to read that knowing, like, because again, you have to also remember that she wasn't there. All she has is this recording from Sundance. So she's, she's dealing with incomplete information to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the thing, okay, this is, this is going to be green opinion time, but the thing that set me off most about her is the, this person randomly messaged me, it seems. And is basically telling me what to believe. That is like the probably the worst thing you can do if you want me to believe you on anything. It's no, it's just that's more what set me off with her than anything else. It's just like don't you tell me what to believe. Right, that is not your job. And I, I hesitantly question if that might not be something to do with the way that it was rolled out. I think it was also how. I think it was partially how it's to be written too. Like she was written to be a character that is is gonna be that lawful character that not necessarily parental, but the cop that's there. Like, hey, this is what's going on that I see. I don't think you should trust this guy. Don't look at the shady guy around the corner selling selling little packets, little white packets. So I mean. I can see why people gravitated to her towards her, but I can also see why so easily a lot of us went, nope, you're not for me. I mean, I had plenty of other reasons besides, but yes, I could easily see that. What are we up to next? We're message 10. Are mm-hmm. we up there yet? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. She was condescending. Like Aldrin. Uh, I don't think she was as condescending because reading text can be interpreted a lot of ways. So 
if you get a bad taste in your mouth from the get-go, you're not going to interpret anything she has to say nice. That's just my that's my personal personal thing on that one because text is a fickle thing. I never got the impression that she was condescending with anything that she said. She was very matter of fact in how she was saying it. Uh, I also think that many took it the Asher Mir approach where the way that she uh, she was talking could be perceived and sort of uh, expected to be in that same sort of mannerisms. I mean, in a lot of rights, Warlock for Warlock, you would expect that they were going to sound exactly the same. Meanwhile, this Warlock, who has paid attention to far too many of them at this point, uh, will tell you that that's never been the case, in my opinion, with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been somebody that will that's uh that that let's go with the diehard reference here just the facts ma'am uh that's all that she's really looking for and if she can get to the bottom of a circumstance she will do it uh that is one reason that i really do uh impress upon people like read over what she's about because i think when all is said and done you'll get to the point where she is able to conform to an opinion and able to conform to uh, the facts that are uh, placed in front of her, but she will still have her, like, the thing in the back that'll always be there where she, she may end up saying, like, I told you so when all is said and done. Uh, she is still prideful of her opinions, but she is professional enough in her interrogations and fact-finding to say, no, I can say when I've when I've done enough. Hmm. Yeah, Black Flag, Ideolo- uh, ideologically... Lenore is written the way she is at the start uh, to be opposing our guardian's perception, uh, perceived mindset in a post-forsaken world. That's a very important point to to remember because, as we kind of said towards the the top of the show, even from like a development standpoint, uh, from a game standpoint, things have changed and altered quite a bit too. Uh, Forsaken has loaded this entirely different line of perspective and ideas uh, under our feet that we have to consider now. So I think that's extremely important to remember for sure. I know every time I go to either write a script or I go to to just talk on this show uh, now and again, I, I have to keep that in mind uh, occasionally. This is not our Rise of Iron Goody Two-Shoes that we're talking about anymore. Uh, this mm-hmm. is... This is somebody that has now perceived something that they would have rather not have, and it has changed them for better or worse in that regard. Did we talk about how the tapes that were made, Drifter's tapes, who told Drifter to make those tapes? Uh, no, we have not talked about that. Did you want to a... speak to that? I think that's an interesting thing to bring up because wasn't it Orin who basically made him, or was it Anor herself? I'm trying to remember. I mean, Anor Anor didn't have anything to do with the tapes. She Somebody, found she found out about the tapes. Um, she found out about the tapes because of the they were trying to prevent the perceived terrorist attack on the tower, and they went to the spider who then kind of sold them out to Drifter. Surprise! Um, mm-hmm. And then when that that's what took you to, I think, Titan, if I remember that correctly. And then yeah. they bounce, you bounced around a little bit there, and then you eventually got to recovering the data, because basically they were data drops for the Guardians who had allied with the Drifter. 
Mm-hmm. And so you were inter- you were trying to intercept them because they didn't the praxics didn't know if that was uh, like dead drops like dead drops of weapons like they didn't know what they were. Turns out that they yep. were just tapes and and you know basically as soon as they found the tapes and reviewed the tapes that's kind of where Anor kind of gets led into the oh okay this situation's what's actually kind of going on. And it's so yeah. it was it was closer to the end, but that's where you also start really seeing, at least within the entries, you start seeing the transformation from kind of aggressively judgmental to kind of just like, eh, I don't really like you, but I I I now understand why they don't kick you out. Like yeah. I don't like it, but it makes more sense now. Like this this is this is more logical now. And I mean, the biggest thing that uh, the only complaint that I've seen that I kind of can sympathize with, I mean, I, I see both sides, um, but I've seen it said, you know, well, if they had just given her this information up front, you know, if they had just been kind of like the Vanguard had just given the information up front, then this would have been a lot easier for everyone. And it kind of goes back to what you believe as far as the Vanguard and the containment of what they believe to be sensitive information, which you know, ties into the whole stolen intelligence situation, um, ties into Beard's really, you know, Beard's video about that, uh, the situation with, I think it was Thunderlord. Was that the one that yeah, you did that with, Thunderlord and which was such, an amazing right? video. I, I think that's really, I like that. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's again, though, I think for me, at least what it was also was a really important reminder that, the Vanguard are not perfect. They're they're doing their best to do, you know, do things the way they are, but that's where you get the Oxygen SR uh entry where Zaval's like, We weren't we weren't politicians. Like we don't he's a military like he's a military tactician. Ikora's a researcher. Like they don't do they're not designed mentally or, you know, anything they're not prepared for politician positions and stuff like that. That was honestly, that's why they had the speaker in the consensus. Yep. And so now that they're in this, this weird like political vacuum esque situation, to be fair, they, they have no idea what they're doing. And now Cade's gone, you know, so the balance is all out of whack. And you know, that and to me, that's where, again, it's kind of the whole situation of no, they're not perfect, but they are. I, I really do think they are trying their best. Do they yeah. make mistakes? Oh, of course they make mistakes. I, I would not at all argue that that, but that's where you kind of see that whole transformation again for a Norse purpose. You see the transformation from I'm coming to get you to, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And this is why we're kind of dealing with you and the nine and Orin and the whole situation. I mean, to be fair, or uh, Anor is also where we get confirmation of the timeline for Orin. Yep. So I mean, she she does have some information that seems to be not necessarily widely known. Um, but again, I, I think that enters into again the conversation of what is what is sensitive data and what is not, you know, need to know data. Speaking of uh, Orin as well, I'm wondering if. Um... I'm wondering if she has some kind of ties to Orin in a way. Anor? Yeah. Well, and I and Just see, like, I go I go back and forth on that one too, because yeah, the way she it, mentions it is it seems yep. very detached. Right. But then she does. I mean, she does call out the fact. Like, I mean, I, I see what she you're does say. Is he going to be able to? If he has a way to give Orin back to us, 
like that to me kind of says that they have something in a way at least like uh like acknowledge ship of who right because uh, i know i know Korn i got the is. feeling that icora had or had something going on like at yes. least a, a familiarity but yeah Most as far as a nor i don't i don't i kind of am on the fence with that one yeah i don't know um oh uh speaking speaking of the thorn bullet so i was yep. thinking um you know we have the situation with shin and jaren's ghost where jaren's ghost kind of pseudo adopts shin do you think and I'm, this is just me kind of spin foiling here do you think that thorn bullet was the reason that our ghost was unable to save Cade? uh yeah i would largely uh say yes to that one Okay, because that's I, that, I read that thing, and I'm like, that's the only reason I can think of that being specifically called out, because yep. we have instances of ghosts being destroyed via just rather mundane means. Like, well, huh, that really depends. Where I, I I would like to hear your mundane means. Well, okay, I mean, so other weapons like. Yep. Felwinter's shotgun. I mean, not mundane necessarily, but it wasn't a Weapon of Sorrow-esque level right. gun. But, I mean, he shotgunned a ghost. Uh, you know, uh, Ephrodite's entire thing with the pistol and the, what was it, World's End. Yep. She, I mean, she threatens ghosts. And if the ghosts were like, oh, ha, 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 you don't have a Weapon of Sorrow, you know, that it, we didn't get that. They were actually, they kind of seemed like they were actually kind of fearful. And so, you know, it, it's just, again, one of those things where it's like, I I just never assumed that a, a, it was a requirement for a weapon of sorrow grade weapon to be necessary to kill a ghost. I think, uh, I think that was the point they were trying to drive home. Okay, yeah, and I... I, I like, like I said, I'm like, it's the only thing that made sense to me, but I didn't know if there was something I missed. I do think that it also comes down to the definitive nature and distance and so on that it was done in a single shot like that, I think is the call out that they may be attempting to make versus like uh, an Ephrodite hand cannon. Ephrodite would need like several shots and then some to probably take down a ghost. Well, not and just see, a I single guess shot. Well, but see, here's and here's my counter argument to that is that the rifleman is known for his bandolier of ghosts that he's sniped Me, meanwhile right? i would make the question of how many shots did it take well okay and, and that's and that's fair to that how many of those were done towards uh guardian uh wielding ghosts uh, well, because I know the whole thing with Marin, she mentions that she keeps their her ghost in hiding because she doesn't want it shot. So I, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's unheard of for him to do guardian tie or to link to ghosts. But I I, 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 I totally so. see I see what you're saying. We don't know I how don't, many shots, especially considering too that we don't know how many uh, ghosts have been out there, especially with freaking Cyril running around like a right. Jerk. Yeah. So I don't think the idea of a dark zone would be too far far fetched. No, as, I'm gonna say that the so dark maybe zone maybe it was like a still there. Do you think that maybe that also created like a portable dark zone? Yeah, I don't know if it's a portable dark zone. Just well, because well, I mean, like, also, it was a dark zone. Also, consider what Pirha had for his uh, for for his uh, his his arc buddies that he that he uses. 
Uh, right. But having those projections and everything, there may have been another counteractive point that those things created. I don't know. Yeah, it also bugs me that uh, the tangled, the tangled shore especially is where the uh, where the the barons tended to hang around, and with that being such a place that is edged on the veil of uh, light and darkness as much as it is. I think at a very large possibility that they uh, kind of hang on on that balance and that precipice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that's a that's a very real possibility. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I guess my argument against the dark zone is like, was the ghost like? Because dark zones, the ghosts can't heal you either, can they? Or no, they just can't resurrect you uh, from the from the true just dark can't zone. Resurrect, so right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the that's the confirmation piece that we've gotten of recent, especially with uh, what is it? Just with uh, Forsaken on the whole, or not Forsaken uh, with the D two with red the red campaign. Red campaign, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's fair. That's fair. Because the other the other point I was wondering if you were going to bring up was from um, the Black Armory with the death that Ada had uh, instilled on a uh, couple of ghosts. Mm-hmm. There's also, yeah, there is that too. I completely... But it is confirmed, didn't... especially after just having gotten the weapon here. Uh, Izanagi's burden is amazing, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it was that gun that did it. Right. So that's an extremely special case with how those, uh, with how that weapon would be. That's taking condensed four pieces of... of uh, of power and uh, snapping them into one weapon with an obsidian accelerator, which we still don't necessarily know the full extent of. Uh, there's there's a lot of question pieces that we could still kind of work with on them, especially if the Black Armory happens to be linked to or in any way works with uh, Vextech. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities here. I could also just be crazy. Don't what? Say no. I know I am. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary view of an Do you guys yeah. have anything else that I'm forgetting? Not a thing. Mm-mm. All right. Well, you guys want to do some quick shout outs? Green, what about you? What do you why don't you lead us off here? As far as shout outs go. Yes, please. Um, shout out to the Nifty Nut House <laughs> and sleep. What's Both that? Things, right? I know, what right? is that? <sighs> Fleeting. It is fleeting. It's what it is. I love it. I love it. I'm not even going to try to explain it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's like my life. Fleeting. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. Dress. Mm. <laughs> you got any other ones? Uh, as far as like serious ones, I know there's a few charity streams that are going on right now. Um, the St. Jude event, I believe, is going on currently. I think I Fife believe is there it right. just ended at this. Did point. it just end? Okay. Yeah, because he was he, he had commented on uh, having having left and feeling like it was like post con depression. Oof. Which Oof. I can imagine when you're doing something like that as uh, heavy handed for St. Jude and whatnot. Definitely. Yeah, but it's more of a uh, shout out to them and their continual work to help children out in the the different Twitch streamers that go with this event every year and help promote it. It's, I think a really strong, strong charity that I know we talk about it in the destiny, destiny community a lot because of guardian con and everything, but I, it's one I actually believe in so many charities can be uh, deceiving in what they're actually using the money for. And yeah. that's when I feel is actually utilizing things in a 
a way that it means like what it means what it says it's going to like they're going to do what they say they're going to do which is nice that's mainly my shout out is full shame saint jude beard what about you uh well to those guardian con goers since that's uh really not that far away at this point um if you guys are going to be out there i know uh i think all of us have have confirmed we will be out there at this point Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm definitely looking forward to it because it's like my only vacation that I get anymore in a year. Uh, it still really isn't vacation. Let me tell you what. <laughs> let um, me tell you what. Uh, aside from that, I'm just I'm always I'm always humbled by the people that uh, follow and listen to my stupid rants and annex, etc. I don't see why y'all care for them, but you seem to care for them, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's been nice getting back into creating content again as well. Uh, I had that very long hiatus, of course, that I was on, and coming back from that has just been nice to uh, not only create, but to connect as well. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest things that I I never really realized how, when I don't, I didn't have that connective piece, and then suddenly getting it back again, it was very different. So I I don't know if anybody else kind of feels that same way or has felt that way before, if you know where I'm kind of coming from, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my big thing right now is just to all of you. Uh, and also to all of you who have given me ideas and thoughts and, uh, such like that, just to, uh, kind of look into what else we can, we can kind of cover or think about or, or talk over or what's piquing your interests and so on. Uh, and if it's not something that we can do here, then on occasion when we run out of ideas on the show, which doesn't necessarily seem like ever, realistically, uh, I can usually present those ideas over here as well. You know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. So any and all of that, I thank you guys very much for, for what you've done for this community and for mine. Uh, it helps out a ton. And Guardian Con is kind of at least one way that we... I, or at least I try to kind of pay back you guys for what you do over the course of time. It sucks that you got to pay money to come and say hi in a way, but in, mm. in another, it's one of the only ways that we can really like figure a real, I, I, I hate to use the term, but it still works, a safe space for all of us to kind of know this is something that we're all really into. This is something that we're all very much a part of. Uh, and it's still very much something that I think we all can uh, can agree is very important to us in our, if not day to day lives, then at least something that comes back to us with our our hobby lives. So I'm I'm thankful for absolutely every little piece that comes into this because as we talked about with the at the top of the show with uh, the guys over at Bungie, and this will be my my last shout out as well. Uh, they are the ones that pretty well brought us all together in a lot of rights. They're the ones that gave us a uh uh what we consider a great story to kind of sit here and talk about week after week uh and have for the last at least for me uh two years now i guess um and then for you guys even longer um uh, and then for you know just being able to to bring other communities together to have to have bife to have uh sir wallen when he was doing everything before he became incredibly busy for Mylan, matt uh for any of them that are out there at this point that are talking about the story and if not the story then talking about just the game in general it is obvious no matter how much salt you want to deride on or think about this is something that brought you together and brought you to a community 
that you ultimately care for. And I never want anybody to kind of lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to Bungie as well. Because even with all the shakeups and everything, if you are if you are losing people because of the decisions you are making, and they are the ones that have helped Forsaken to catapult within the community's mindset, and you are tweaking, working with, and altering how that perception is still felt, then I honestly will tell you you are in the absolute right with the way that you are going, and the community will be behind you 110%. To those of you that are not necessarily behind that, but are mature enough to say this is not for me anymore, I thank you as well, because that also means that effectively you are allowing us as a community to flourish with those that have our minds, uh, the mindset in mind to continue to let this pull forward. Uh, as painful as it is for us to lose those people, as much as we absolutely cared for their insight and their development and how they did everything with the story, I am absolutely thankful for every part of this creative process and how it is put together. So to Bungie, to any of those that are no longer with it, that step down willingly um, and on good terms and so on, thank you. You know, you, you guys are are doing just as much for those that are that are trying to turn this into something that you had envisioned just as much. So thank you. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, no, actually, um, I mean, again... I agree with what Beard is saying on pretty much all fronts there. It's it's I, I think that was really well put. Uh, the other thing is I do also want to make, you know, double down on the whole thing with Guardian Con. Uh, just a you know quick, quick reminder, too, that we do have T-shirts that are on sale for, mm-hmm. I got for mine Guardian in the Con. Mail today. Nice. Green has already I got, got a, hers. Um, I got to order mine. I keep yeah, I got I got to do the same thing. I, I totally I helped put them up for sale and I completely forgot to order it. So, you know, that's, that's how my week's been going. Um, same though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So definitely, definitely get those if you, if you want, um, and we'll see you guys, we'll hopefully see you guys at guardian con. We're really looking forward to it, but yeah, until next week, we will talk to you later. Bye. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.